Tonight's episode of Legacy Battle is brought to you by Atlas Benefits. Atlas Benefits has solutions for your insurance needs. Atlas Benefits can help you obtain Medicare, health, or life insurance, and employee benefits. You can find them on the web at www.atlasbenefits.com. Or you can contact Rob Ducey or Roy Smith at 727-600-2892 and mention Legacy Battle Podcast. Atlas Benefits has all the solutions for your insurance needs. Enjoy the show. This is Legacy Battle coming at you on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe on iHeartRadio, YouTube as well, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Facebook, get on everything. I am Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. Joining me tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King, Penn State Collegiate All-Star, Kevin Adams, Ball State Athlete, Paul Havocott. We got a super size show today. Bradley Walker from the Walker Report and the Sunshine State Sports Jabbers here with us tonight as well. Our special guests were joined by a 14-year NHL veteran. He played for the Islanders, Penguins, Avalanche, and Rangers. 98th season, he was 12th in Norris Trophy voting, and he finished top 20 Whoa! in 2001 <laughs> for the NHL All-Stars. He's remembered for being one of the most aggressive, prolific, ferocious hitters in league history. Um, he's also got a, a gold, silver, and a bronze from the Olympics. You can see the picture behind me there. And uh, just all-around great player. We got defenseman Darius Kasparitis with us. Darius, thank you for coming on. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're 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 honored, man. A lot of us grew up in Pittsburgh too, so you broke our hearts, but you also made you know healed them later on. So, so we're gonna jump in tonight's debate. Tonight's debate is the greatest playoff upsets, and we're we're gonna start this out with the '93 Islanders. Yeah, so uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, they won the President's Trophy that year for the best regular season team. They won the Stanley Cup the two previous seasons. They were the favorite to repeat. They were a shoe-in, locked in to win their third in a row to get that dynasty title. Uh, the core of the team at that point was Lemieux, Yager, Tockett, Murphy, Stevens, Francis Mullins, Samuelson, Barrasso, Nanette. Can't forget the coach, uh, Scotty Bowman, legendary coach. Four players with 100-plus points, Lemieux with over 60 goals, Stevens with over 50 goals, six other players over 20 goals. This team was incredible. Um, they entered the playoffs with a 17-game win streak. All the momentum that should have taken them to the Cup. Uh, the closest team in points uh, was the Boston Bruins, who were 10 points behind at 109. Uh, the Penguins finished with 119. 56, 21, and 7 record. The Islanders, they had 87 points, uh, finished 40, 37, and 7, just above 500, and they entered the playoffs in the, in the third seed. They defeated the Capitals in the opening round uh, after Dale, uh, Dale Hunter separated Pierre Turgeon, their best player at that time, over 130 points that year, separated his shoulder from behind, um, and he ended up missing the whole series against the Penguins, except 
pretty sure he, he dressed in game seven as the decoy. He didn't really play much. Um, but so they lose, they lose their best player. They, they brought a physical game though. Um, you know, there was some young punk on the other team. Uh, that were number 11 is a rookie <laughs> and just completely took Lemieux off, off his game. Uh, and it, it worked. Um, he, he slowed the pens down. There is, you, you ruined this series for us, man. Um, but the, the, the series was kind of back and forth. Islanders took game one, Pens won the next two, then Islanders, then Pens, then Islanders ultimately won game six and game seven. Uh, game seven, Volek scored in overtime uh, as the Islanders ended the Pens dynasty chance um, and shocked pretty much the hockey world, eliminating the best team uh, for probably almost the history. <laughs> you know, 119 points, I'm pretty sure was the record. Um, you know, I fully believe that if Kevin Stevens did not get hurt the way he did, this may have ended in a different way. Um, Pens were winning that game three to two. Um, and, you know, Kevin Stevens goes out with a nasty injury. And um, I think it just changed the whole atmosphere for the Pens. Um, he had nine, Kevin Stevens had nine points that year. He was leading the playoffs for the Pens, tied with two other players at nine points. I think that hit kind of changed the momentum. Darius, you played a huge role in, the, in your team's win. You basically neutralized. Mario and Yager, you crazy physical hits. Um, this was definitely a huge upset and should be number one in our in our list tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell tell us about that series. I mean, what was your your team's mindset going in there facing the two time defending champs and and the powerhouse that they were? You know what? I don't think we had any expectations to uh, you know it was basically. Uh, I remember Al Arbor told us just go and have fun, you know, play the game hard and uh, play to win and uh, don't worry about any results. And I think what happened, I think even a lot of people in Long Island didn't expect us to win one game in that series. You know, I remember my friends telling me if we, if you beat the Pittsburgh one game out of four, we'll, you know, we'll buy a case of beer. <laughs> and uh, I think, uh, I, I think Penguins just gave us, uh, you know, uh, we, they made us believe we can beat them, you know what I'm saying? And I think, we, and I, 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 don't, I don't think we uh, tried to neutralize Lemieux or Jagger. I think we just played a game, uh, you know, and uh, like me, I didn't, uh, you know, nobody told me to go hit Lemieux or, you know, play physical. I, I was just playing my game and uh, it worked out very good. But, you know, it was no, like, you know, game plan. You have to play against this guy, against that guy. I think Al Arbor realized that and he just let us play. And uh, I think... I, remember, I I never forget after Game 7, uh, we stopped by the hotel. Uh, it was Red Roof Inn, I think, right next to Civic Arena. arena. And they, we bought beer for everybody for the bus ride to the airport. <laughs> That's how happy it was, you know, by uh, winning the Game 7 in overtime. Let, let me ask you about that Game 7 real quick before we move on. You guys are up 3-1 to one going into the third period. Four minutes left, Ron Francis makes it 3-2. One minute left, goalie pulled. Rick Tockett makes it 3-3. Uh, three three. So going into overtime, was there a concern that, like, you guys maybe kind of kind of blew it there and that you had it won? And, and what, what was the concern level at that point going into overtime? I, rem I remember. I think I was scored both times. With well, I think it was on, with UV Group on the last goal. And uh, – yeah, it was shocking. I think we're up 3-1, and we almost lost the game in uh, regulation. I think, yeah, Pittsburgh tied. And, 
I don't think we we're nervous, but I remember guys just saying, just play simple and, uh, you know, never know what's going to happen. But yeah, momentum was definitely on the Pittsburgh, on the Pittsburgh side, because I remember we played so hard that game seven uh, and uh, Pittsburgh just realized that, you know, they might lose this game in the regulation and just kind of start playing a little harder, a little, uh, little, you know, little, uh, they, you know, Pittsburgh Penguin style uh, of the 90s and they just tied the game so easily, I remember. So I thought we will we'll, we'll be in trouble, but I think um, knowing about playoffs at that time, you know, I didn't really know much, but the guy's telling me that, you know, anything can happen. And I think that's why, I think even David Wallach didn't play much that game. <laughs> and uh, I think he had one big shift in this quarter overtime goal. Excellent. Let's move on to the 94 San Jose Sharks. Okay, I went with the Sharks. You know, they had been, they had entered the league in 91, and now they're sort of like perennial contenders. They're all, they always seem to be in it. But early on, it was really, really dismal. And before I got into the 94 season, I kind of looked back at the 92, 93 season because, man, it painted such a bleak picture. So in, in that season, they finished with 71 losses. And at one point, they had lost 17 games in a row. Uh, the Sharks had basically just over two handfuls of wins with 11. They won 11 for the entire season. They were definitely a home team because they won eight at home, and then they won three on the road with two ties. So in that season, leading up to the one I'm going to talk about for upset, they were led by their original head coach, uh, George Kingston. He ended up being fired after that season, uh, the 11-win, two-tie season, replaced by Kevin Constantine. Uh, as a side note, that was also their last uh, time, their last season playing in what was called the Cow Palace in, in Daly City there. So they had allowed the most goals, 414, and even strength goals, 286, of all 24 teams during the regular season. They also shut out a league high six times and tied the Edmonton Oilers and Ottawa Senators for the fewest power play goals with 66. So, like, you can see how terrible they are. And so nobody has any expectations of this 94 season. So they end up going in, and they have their new coach, Kevin Constantine, and they throw down 33 wins and 35 losses with 16 ties. 16 ties. They're still not even really posting, like, a winning record. They still have a good home record of 19, 13, and 10. And as a team, they scored 252 goals. So in this year, in the uh, – they, they, I think they secure – to get into the, the playoffs, they secure the final eighth playoff spot in the Western Conference, finishing third overall in the Pacific. So they end up meeting what was basically the favor favored that year for the Cup was the D- Detroit Red Wings. So they play them, and in seven games end up winning. But, like, to put it in perspective of what they're facing compared to what they were – Detroit was 46-30-8 that year. They won the division. They led the NHL that season with 356 uh, goals, which was 104 more than San Jose. When San Jose played the, played the Red Wings that year, they had to face, like, stars, like legit stars. Like Kevin was mentioning, really uh, good stars for Pittsburgh. They had Sergei Fedorov uh, that was leading, I think, the team that season with 120 points. Uh, they had Iserman, they had my childhood favorite, Paul Coffey, Ray Shepard, Nicholas Lidstrom, to name a few. They get, go into the series, and they win the first game 5-4, to four, really narrow. And then game two, Detroit kills them 4-0. They, uh, Detroit goes up 2-1, winning 3-2. to two. 
and then San Jose squeaks out game four, four to three. And then it gets weird kind of because San Jose wins six to four, and in game six, Detroit kills them seven to one. And then in the seventh and final game, it's real narrow, it's three two. So it was just a stunner. It stunned the, the league. And I was mentioning some of Detroit's players. I didn't really mention a lot of San Jose players because their leading point score was 68 points. I don't remember them. Maybe some of the diehards do. Sergei Makarov. They had Pat Balloon, uh, some names like Todd Ellick. So they really got it done with sort of like some middle-of-the-road players. And I think that's a really good candidate for upset here. Captain by the great Bob Erie. And, of course, uh, Mike Sullivan was on that team as well, current coach for the Penguins. So, Darius, you played for Kevin Constantine. Can you tell us a little bit about his defensive system, a very defensive-minded coach? Well, yeah, but this uh, Igor Larionov was playing for Sharks? No, they had Sergei Makarov. No, but Larionov was not playing for Sharks that year? Can you check that? Yeah, I'm checking it right now, like the roster. I think he was. Is... He was on that team. And uh, Sandy Zosalinch, yeah? Yeah, I was okay, so... probably there. Ivor Laranoff was on there. He's he was their fourth leading score uh, score with forty points that year, uh, fifty six points that year. Yeah, I remember that. I remember. I remember. I actually remember the upset because see, I remember Detroit was such a favor, uh, you know. And uh, that's I think that's how Kevin Constantine got into a league by uh, you know you know beating the uh, Detroit Red Wings with the Sharks team that was you know nobody expecting to to win. And then Kevin uh, actually is very, uh, is a very good coach to prepare the team for the games. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it was not one of the best best coaches during the game, you know, but to prepare, I think I probably worked with one of the best professionals at that time. You know, I remember when he was a coach for Pittsburgh, you know, we watched so much videos and we did so many X's and O's. So, you know, what came to the game uh, getting ready for the game and studying the other team, I think Kevin was one of the best. Great defensive coach. Ended up coaching Pittsburgh later on. We're going to discuss one of their teams here in a little bit that he coached that, uh, that Darius was also a part of. Darius is just all over today's show. But first, we're yeah. going to go to the, the 82 Kings, Los Angeles Kings over the Edmonton Oilers. This was a shocker. We're talking shockers today. This This was huge. So, 1982 playoffs, matching up the Campbell Conference. Highest points winner, Edmonton Oilers, with 111 points. Number one seed against number eight seed, number eight seed, L.A. Kings, who only had 63 points. The Oilers were 31 games over 500, while the Kings were 17 games under 500. So just a team under 500 to get in like that's crazy. Oilers were 5-1-2 against the Kings in the regular season. And uh, they had scored 103 more goals than the Kings in that season. In fact, they had the most in the league. The Oilers, you know, Gretzky, Messier, just total stacked. Um, and the Oilers gave up 74 less goals during the regular season than the Kings. So the Oilers are a plus 123, and the Kings are a negative 55 going into this playoff series. So let's look at the first round, this first round playoff series. And back in 82, they were best of five. So this is only a five-game series. The series goes the distance, all five games. Game one at Edmonton, you know, Kings had only won five games on the road all year. And, you know, this game one was pretty crazy. Uh, 18 goals are scored, and that's a playoff record. Um, Kings trailed four to one, but they come back and win 10-8 game one. So that that is a huge shocker. You go to game two, the Oilers get back on track. Gretzky wins it in overtime. 
You know, that's a name you're always going to hear. And then game three is called the Miracle on Manchester. This is, that's what it's known as Gretzky, Messier, Oilers. They jump out to a 5 nothing lead going into the third period. Comeback central. Kings battle back, led by Marcel Dion, Hall of Famer, great player. We discussed him in our L.A. Kings show. Um, they come back, they make it 5-4, and then with 10 seconds left, goalie pulled. Marcel Dion makes a beautiful play, gets the puck to Steve Bozak, who beats Grant Fuhr, Hall of Fame goalie, ties it with, with five seconds left, and then they go on and win in overtime. Game four, the Oilers come back. They pull it out, 3-2. Series goes back to Edmonton for game five. But during after that game four, the Kings and Oilers personnel, there was a big altercation, fight between coaches, GMs, all kind of crazy things. They go back to game for game five. And the Kings win it pretty easily, 7-4. to four. But it, Huge shocker. They knock out the mighty Oilers, who would go on the next year to go to the Stanley Cup. They'd lose to the Islanders, but then they would win, like, four straight Stanley Cups. Um, you know, Gretzky puts up 12 points in five games, still not good enough. And this, this series set a record as the biggest upset in playoff hockey uh, as far as differential in the standings with 48 points. So, Darius, you stopped Lemieux and company. And, uh, oh, yeah, you stop Lemieux and company. How, how is it that a team can come together and, and and stop the likes of a Gretzky and a Messier? I mean, are you just changing your game around to play against people that talented, or you just go out and play your game? Uh, usually I think, especially in the 80s, you just go out and play. You know, I don't think uh... – the game was that advanced, uh, you know, in the 80s, even in the ni- early 90s. You just go and play the game, you know, play the game that you love, play the game that you learn how to play when you were a kid. And sometimes, you know, uh, things happen, you know, not sometimes not the best team wins. And uh, it's all about the effort and sacrifice. And I think maybe, uh, I, I don't you know, I didn't watch the, I, I never seen the series, but I, I remember, I, I heard about Miracle on Manchester, you know, so... Uh, just, you know, sometimes not the best team uh, and talent, most talented team wins. And it's, it's about the effort. And maybe Kings, Kings uh, you know, had, uh, you know, better effort. And, uh, and I remember somebody was telling me about, uh, you know, this big balance between, uh, you know, Islanders and Edmonton. And I remember one time, I think even Mark Messi told me that when uh, Islanders beat Edmonton in, uh, you know, in the finals, and when they walk, you know, when they're leaving the uh, ring and they see all the Islander players beat up with ice packs, you know, black eyes, you know, and all the Edmonton players are not even, like, injured, you know, they realize that you have to basically fight and pay the price, you know, to win. The, the talent alone is not going to win you, a, you know, Stanley Cup. And I think that's – I think that's even Mark Messi told me that. They realize they have to basically, you know – uh, you know, go through sacrifice to, to to become a Stanley Cup champions. I think that's when uh, Edmonton next year, not the year after, you know, they, they, they won four in a row. Right. All right, let's move on to the 99 Pens. All right, the 1998-99 Pens uh, <clears throat> over the Devils. Uh, I mean, there have been some, some dark moments in the Penguins franchise history. Uh, moments whenever the team, the future of the team was in major jeopardy. But there was never really a moment quite as dark as late April 1999. Uh, the team was broke. 
Mary Lemieux was working as hard as he could through bankruptcy hearings um, in an attempt to rescue the team, but many felt like it was a long shot. Uh, if Mario failed, the team would not, not relocate. The team would dissolve, and that would be the end of the Penguins. 30-plus years of team history would be gone. Uh, meanwhile, there was, there was still hockey to be played. Um, the number eight seed Penguins had to play a playoff series against Martin Brodeur and the number one seed New Jersey Devils. Uh, to make matters worse, star player Yarmir Yager was dealing with a severe groin injury, and he missed uh, four of the first five games. So Yager returned to the ice in game six. Penguins were trailing 3-2 um, in the series, facing elimination, absolute dire straits all the way around. And, and Yager has what he believes uh, in an interview with him, you know, um, in an interview he one time he admitted it, that he believes that this was his best game ever. Well, um, the Penguins were trailing three to two, um, and Yager scored a goal with two minutes to go in the game, tied things up, sent it to overtime, and then he won it in overtime. Um, you know, got the game-winning goal, basically skating around on one leg. And if you get a chance to see the highlights, if you've ever seen this before, I mean, Yager was just a man possessed. And, and it was the, the Devils couldn't stop this guy who was just basically playing on one leg. It was just amazing. Um, and then in game seven, Martin Straka had three points and the Penguins pulled off the improbable upset. Now, this upset was so significant because the revenue generated actually gave the team enough money to pay their roster. They, they were in jeopardy of not even having enough money to do that at that time. And it bought Mario valuable time to ultimately save the franchise. So without this upset, um, the stakes were, were so high that without this upset, the Pittsburgh Penguins probably don't even exist any, any longer. Darius, you were there in 99. I mean, do you know how bad things were as far as financials go? And, and tell us about that series. Uh, I didn't play that series because I tore my ACL. I remember oh. watching the game, uh, watching the game on TV. I think uh, in Miami on the beach. <laughs> no, but I remember. I remember tough times. You know, I remember not knowing uh, what's going to happen with the team. You know, it was it was very uh, tough situation. But I think the spirit of the Pittsburgh and spirit of our team. You know, because we had a lot of European players. I don't think I don't think we really realize how important for us. You know that serious was, but same time, you know, we just had a, a lot of fun that, the, you know, the, 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 I think 90s, late 90s, Pittsburgh was uh, most of the Europeans, you know, uh, when, uh, you know, Mario returned, uh, we had, you know, Ivan Hlinka as a coach, and uh, it, it was, I remember it was a huge upset, and of course with Kevin Constantine, you know, uh, doing his best job as a coach, preparing the team to win. And I think uh, you know it's 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 great. You know, it's great to uh, remember how happy everybody were. You know, when we beat the Devils, because that was one of the one of the best teams at that time. Right, right. That's right. They had uh, played the Stars in the Cup. Was it the year before, or the year after? It would have been the year after. Year before yeah. they got knocked out in Eastern Conference Finals. Right. So they played the Stars in the Stanley Cup Finals the next year. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. Tough time for Pittsburgh. That definitely was in the in Pittsburgh upset history. That's definitely 
<laughs> going to be up there. Let's move on to our final team tonight, and that is the, the 2019 Blue Jackets. Wow, it really pains me to uh, to bring up this uh, this team. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning came into the series with the President Trophy. We were the dominating team. Uh, we used speed and youth. Uh, and like Darius mentioned earlier, uh, sometimes when you get knocked in the mouth, you don't know how to react. Well, we didn't know how to react. Uh, we were up 3 nothing in game one. And the wheels fell off the rest of the series. And on top of that, John Fodorello, who was the head coach when we won the Cup in 2004, was the coach of the Blue Jackets. Um, I can tell you this, being that I live in the Tampa Bay area, uh, we were very, uh, how do I say this politely, not very happy with the, the uh, with what had happened, um, in, you know, in the series. Um, but you know what? When it comes down to it, Columbus was the better team. They were better prepared uh, to go up against us. But as I'm going to close, there is one thing that I would like to do, and that is thank them because after we lost to them, um, oh, that's right, we won the last two Stanley Cups. So thank you, Columbus, for helping us find our bridge and giving us the last two Stanley Cups. We appreciate it. So thank you, Columbus Blue Jackets. Wake up call. So, so, so basically what that was, too, is the reverse of the 93 Pens. The Pens had won two Cups, and then they get upset. And this is reverse. Lightning right. lost in an upset after setting the greatest record of all time in NHL history. Right. And then they go on to win the next two Cups. And who knows, maybe three. We don't know what's going to happen in the following season. Right. But, Darius, this Lightning team is stacked with Russians. So we got Vasilevsky in goal, uh, Kucherov leading the team up front. I mean, it seems like every time a player comes over from Russia, you guys are just really good. <laughs> I mean, what are they putting in the water over there? Oh, I think it's froze. Oh, yeah, there we go. No, no, I see. I'm here. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, you hear me? Yep, yep. Um, listen, I don't know what they put now, but uh, before, they we used to just drink and go play hockey. <laughs> but... <laughs> But I tell you exactly what's going on with the talent. Uh, uh, like, for example, right now, I play games for fun. Sometimes, you know, I, I play in some tournaments, and uh, we have a, like, former NHL alumni team, and we play against, like, Joe, whatever, regular Joe. And when those guys start playing hard and the thing's not going well, you know, our way, you get, you start getting frustrated. You know what I'm saying? And you start playing stupid. So, uh I think uh, what happened to Columbus and the Tampa, same thing. You know, when when the team goes into a phase nonstop, especially with Joe, Joe Tortorella's style, sometimes you just get frustrated, you know. You start, you know, you, you're not looking for excuse. You just don't know how to, how to react to that, you know. And I think I remember that happened in game one. Something happened. They were up by, like, 5-1 Tampa or yeah. something like that. They, Big lead, they yeah. lost the game one. Big lead. And I remember watching the TV and I thought, oh, this series is, you know, it's going to be over in four games. And then suddenly, you know, uh, Columbus wins the thing in overtime or something. And then, you know, everything goes to, sh to shits, basically. So, uh, it's, 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 you know, it's about frustration. You know, talented players get frustrated very easily if the game doesn't go there, the, you know, they were, you know, I remember Jagger, even, uh, you know, Mario, sometimes when the game was not good, they would go on. And 
I think they go they will, I think they go and uh, regroup and refocus. It doesn't work. Right. All right, so let's move into our vote tonight, and then we'll have our questions for Darius about his career. Brian, start us off. Who are you voting for? Um, I'll tell you what, I was, uh, I didn't know a lot about that 1982, um, contest that you mentioned, Michael, but, uh, that's pretty impressive that, uh, you know, the, um, the Kings, you know, they were, they were not known for, uh, you know, as a great team or anything like that. And they were to be able to take out, uh, Gretzky and Messier, that, that's impressive. Okay. Brad? I got to go with the, uh, with the Penguins, uh, against the Devils, the one that Brian mentioned. I mean, when you have a, uh, brink of losing a um, one of the uh, not one of the original six teams, one of the teams that came shortly after could have been gone. That would have been disastrous for the National Hockey League had that happened. So I'm going to take the Pens. Paul, yeah, that was mine. That's I agree with Brad. That was tough, but uh, since that one's gone, uh, well, you can vote for my... it. You can vote for anyone you want. Oh, I can still? Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I, I like the way Brian set that up. I mean, you're, these other teams are talking about potentially losing. You know, a coach might get fired, but they're they're in danger right there of losing the whole franchise potentially. So I really think there's a lot more stakes uh, with that. I'm taking the, the, the Islanders, 93 Islanders. Uh, they ended what should have been a dynasty. It all went downhill for the Pens after that. Lemieux got cancer and so on and so on. But uh, that at that time period, every – the Penguins had won 17 straight in the regular season, setting the record. Like they said, he won the President's Trophy. Kevin mentioned that. So I'm taking the Islanders. Kevin? Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with the, uh, your Kings also. I, I agree. Beating uh, Messier, Gretzky, and, and Oilers there, that's pretty impressive. Darius, who's your biggest upset of all time? Well, of course, Islanders, you know, <laughs> against Pittsburgh. You know, uh, I don't think anybody expected us to win. And I think that's why I feel like, you know, until, even though, you know, I'll tell you one thing. I played for many teams in my career, but that the 92-93 team were so tight and we still stay in touch because probably of that one series because, you know, it, that was our Stanley Cup right there. And I think that the, the, the close, I remember every single player from the team, you know. And that was very, uh, you know, we still meet up every other, other year as alumni. And, you know, it just brings back a lot of memories. And I think Islanders, it's, it's definitely Islanders. Nice. All right. So win for the Islanders tonight. Let's move into our Q&A for Darius. Brian, go ahead. Okay, Darius. So um, you take the pass from Robert Lang. And bury the game winner against uh, against the Sabers. What's going through your mind on uh, during that play? Nothing. I just jumped into. A, I had a feeling all game that I can score, <laughs> and uh, I just I remember joining the rush and I just you know shot a puck and I looked it went in and I was shocked. And that's why I see my expression as celebrating. I didn't know what to do how to celebrate. That's why I <laughs> fell on my belly and started kicking my feet. The celebration was great. <laughs> you know, it was just a natural, uh, you know, joy. And uh, actually, that's why he looked like that. But uh, that was awesome. You know, I felt like, uh, you know, remember going back to Pittsburgh and people putting flowers, candy in front of my house. And I felt like a hero. Right? Suddenly everybody knew who I was. And, uh, and it was just, uh, you know, big Big, big, huge thing. You know, I, I loved it. 
overtime game seven against the Dominator. Doesn't get any better than that. But, uh, Brad, go ahead. Uh, Darius, I just got one question to ask. You were a very aggressive player. Where did that aggressiveness come from? Is it, is it you growing up where you grew up in Russia, or is it a coach that kind of pushed you into that kind of play? I don't know. I think it's my competitive, uh, competitive, like I'm very competitive and uh, I'm still out, uh, you know, until this day, sometimes I'm, you know, I even play right now. If I start losing, you know, I lose my temper and which is stupid. And I'm almost 50 year old man. Uh, and I think that's where it comes from, you know, uh, being very competitive and all my, you know, childhood life, I have to like kind of survive because I play, you know, when I came to Russia, I was Lithuanian. So I have to prove everybody I can compete with them. So, uh, and especially when I came to NHL, I, I, I realized it was so easy to hit, you know what I'm saying? I, I was shocked. And, uh, you know, I kind of, and that's how I, you know, I thought I was more like a finesse player in Russia. But when I came to NHL, you know, I started hitting hip checks and all the other yeah, hitting things. And uh, I realized that, you know, that was very easy to do there. And I realized people loved that. So it was like part of the game also, you know, so, like, I had always, I felt pressure to make a big hit instead of, like, scoring goals. I always felt like people expect me to make a huge hit during the game. So, I always felt that, especially playing in Pittsburgh, you know? Paul? Darius, you seem like you ain't going to back down from anybody. But, you know, now that you're retired, and like you said, you're almost 50 and you're playing for fun. In retrospect, do you ever look back? Is there anybody that was playing during your time that you would maybe think twice about going up against? Or you kind of were like, ugh. Now that I look back on that, this guy gave me a run for the money. I uh, you know I, I really uh, I feel uh, you know, when I look at my videos and show my kids uh, my YouTube videos, uh, I feel a little ashamed <laughs> how I behave. <laughs> you know, uh, my kids be like, "Oh my God, this is our father!" <laughs> you know, this guy is crazy. But I think my first couple of years in the league, I realized that I was not a fighter. You know, what I'm saying I, I I thought that you know I can fight, and uh, when I you know, dropped my gloves against Joe Koshu a couple of times. So, Berube, you know, I realized that that's not who I want to be. So, uh, guys like that, tough guys like that, you know, they were very, very tough. So, uh, but yeah, right now when I look back into my career, yeah, it was probably fun to watch me, but uh, I acted like an idiot sometimes. <laughs> Kevin. So, I want to take you to 2001, 2002, Pittsburgh trade show to Colorado. And uh, Colorado and Detroit at that time, those were some uh, big rivalry there. Um, constantly fights and everything. And that, that season, you guys go into game seven against Detroit. And uh, just kind of what that, that playoff series, what was going on with uh, the Avalanche in the locker room? And how was like, what was the, the atmosphere like for you guys in that series? Because that's, that's a pretty big uh, Western Conference final. You know, I was very uh, disappointed. I think uh, that was my uh, one of the closest chances to win the Stanley Cup because, you know, Avalanche won a year before and we had a game six at home against the Detroit Red Wings. You know, and, uh, you know, we just had it to, you know, I don't think we lost the game at home yet at that time. And I think uh, I remember Patrick Roy made this beautiful save and dropped the puck behind his, you know, Behind, behind the net, and uh, I think that's how they scored the first goal. And the game seven, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I believe that we can win. And what happened then? I remember it was a McCarty show. I think it's probably, 
we were down five nothing after the first period. It was game over. You know, I think uh, I remember Pat- uh, Patrick Roy pulled himself out of the net, say, "I'm done. I'm tired," and. Uh, you know, that was very sad uh, because the team I play in uh, Colorado was awesome. You know, Forsberg, Blake, uh, Joe Sakic, you know, Alex Tangay. It was, uh, you know, pretty uh, big team. If you remember all the players, you know, Adam Foote. So uh, it was a great team, you know. And uh, sadly that, you know, we lost to Detroit, especially the, you know, big rivalry between Detroit and Avalanche. So I'm going to take you back to uh, December of 2001. Mario Lemieux walks into the locker room out of his retirement. You were part of that team. Like, were you guys kind of, like, shocked when you heard he was coming back or, or in awe? And, and did he say anything personally to you when, when he brought you to the Penguins? Uh, you know, because you guys had quite a rivalry going on there in 93. No, I remember uh, I was so nervous when I got traded to Pittsburgh. I was shocked. First of all, I was like, what? Pittsburgh? They hated me there. You know what I'm saying? So I was so scared to fly. I remember me and Andreas Johansson flying out of LaGuardia to Pittsburgh. And I, I was telling him, Andreas, I don't know why I got to do this thing. They hate me there. <clears throat> so basically, I remember coming to a locker room. And I remember Yeremi Yager was saying, saying uh, that uh, now we have to wear shoulder pads during the practice. You know, because I remember Pittsburgh had no helmets, no shoulder pads. They were like easy, easy practice. So I really, you know, try to fit in right away on the team. I, I remember going on the road at that time and uh, everybody were playing cards. So I realized I have to play cards with Menu. And uh, I lost a lot of games against Mari on purpose. The way I can make him feel, you know, much, you know, <laughs> more welcome, you know. But, uh, you know, people, the guys took me in very, very... You know, you know, when you get traded, you get traded. And I remember, you know, still, you know, Mario was like an idol to anyone. Anytime he came to a locker room and when he came back from the retirement, you know, every time he walked in, you can feel the aura in the, in the locker room that, you know, is there. And guys have to be more serious and prepared. And uh, it was just awesome. You know, Pittsburgh was one of the, you know, best times I had there. Go ahead. Okay, so... um. Uh... The hit on Eric Lindros. Uh, some folks call it clean. Some folks call it dirty. Look clean to me personally. Um, what were your thoughts uh, on the hit? And did you ever discuss anything with Lindros after that happened? Well, you know what? I always, um, when I play the game, I always looked, especially on the power play, I think we're killing penalty at that time. And uh, sometimes I knew the guys on the power play don't expect to get hit. So what happened, I was just waiting on a blue line, and I saw Eric skating with a head down. I just stepped. I didn't really, you know, hit him hard, I think. It was just something that happened so quick. And I think uh, Eric, unfortunately, got hurt, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, it was, it was you know, it was, it was bad. But at the same time, you know, I remember Eric called me when I became a free agent. You know, the, the first guy he called me was Eric. He said, listen, I have no hard feelings. I want you to play for the Rangers. I want to be your teammate. And, uh, you know, you know, hockey game is a physical game. Sometimes people get hurt. And uh, there was, I don't think it was a dirty hit, you know. It was just a hit, you know, that I, I don't think I even hit him in the head. It's just somewhere under the, like, you know, in the chest or somewhere. It just, uh, I, I think, I don't think he expected to get hit at that time. Right. Hey, Kevin, I know you got another one. Go ahead. <laughs> what, are you talking to me? You're Kevin. Yeah. All right. Um. <laughs> So at 92, you get drafted fifth overall by New York Islanders. Um, were you expected to, to get drafted in the top five, or was there a team that really was coming at you and wanting you, or how, how did the draft go for you back then? 
I was very sad that I get I, the year before. I think my draft year was the year before, and I didn't get drafted. And I played for, in the World Junior Championships for the year older guys. No, it was in Saskatoon, Canada. And uh, the year after, you know, in '92, I, I, I you know, I already played uh, second my World Juniors, and I was named best defenseman of the tournament, and also I won Olympic gold medal. So I think I was more established player. Uh, to be drafted at that draft year. And uh, I expected to go high, but uh, I don't know if top five was my priority. I just want to play in NHL. And I, I really wanted to get drafted by that team, the way I can, you know, you know, I, I, I like especially like uh, Ottawa or Sharks at that time or Tampa thing. But, you know, when I got drafted by the Islanders, you know, I didn't even know what Islanders, you know, I didn't realize what Islanders were, you know. I, I thought, you know, they were in New York City, but then when I got there, you know, it was in Long Island. It was totally different. <laughs> but it was cool, you know, it was cool. I felt a little old at that draft, but I was only one year older than the original draft guys. Well, it's kind of an ongoing theme with the show because we love them so much, but and your paths cross several times. Do you have any good Yarmir Yager stories? Yarmir, uh, Yarmir, you know, I, I, pro- I play, uh, probably play the most with Yarmir. And, uh, Yarmir is a very unique individual, you know. He's, uh, we know. He's, he's very, uh, funny, but also, you know, sometimes he gets very serious about the game. And I think, uh, that's why he still plays because he, he really loves the game of hockey. But the stories, you know, I don't know. We, uh, you know, I think Yarmir had actually, he spoke Russian very good and, uh, you know, he, he, he and uh, you know the stories about Yaks. I don't know. He's, he was a bad car player, maybe. <laughs> we we call him. Uh, I don't know. I forget Gino Casino. But you know, we <laughs> we, we had we had a couple uh, you know trips to Vegas with him, and uh, I remember seeing him play you know card games like blackjack, and uh, I would get nervous watching him play because he was betting like so much money. So. Uh, I couldn't even watch. I would just leave, you know. But, you know, Yarmir was a great player. You know, he, he's a legend. You know, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, soon. And uh, and I think uh, it's one of the guys who I think I played the most in the league. Those, those trips to Vegas, they had to be by car, right? That was a road trip. No, actually, one time from California, they sent us a plane. Ah. <laughs> we, we, we stay in a Rayman suite. That's what happens when you're in the High Rollers Club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just went along yanks. Brad, do you have another one? or? Yeah, uh, Darius, what is your thoughts on the style of hockey played today compared to your when you came out and you were drafted? Well, I think the game is, uh, you know, fun. It's very fast, but I think it's less physical. Maybe, maybe that's why it's fast. But I think... Um, I don't know because maybe salaries became so high and the guys are more invested in the in the in, you know in the future and the bodies and I think the league tries to protect star players more. So uh, you know every time uh, it's a big hit, you always feel like oh my god, what's gonna happen now? This guy's gonna get suspended or it's clean or it's dead, you know. And people don't understand that when you commit to the hit, you don't understand. You don't. You can't stop in the middle of the hit and say oh my god, this guy put his head down. I have to stop, you know. When you go, when you make, when you made a commitment, you go towards the guy and you pretend, you prepare, prepare to hit him. You can't stop. You know what I'm saying? It's impossible. You know. So uh, I feel a like game is a little bit more harsher for the guys who are love to hit. Maybe that's why it's not a lot of hitting anymore, except playoffs. But the game is still beautiful. You know, hockey game is still beautiful. It's a lot of talent, a lot of scoring. You know, and uh, 
it's it's always you know it's changing so you can you know you can live in the past you just have to accept it and hopefully one of my kids going to play and uh, repeat how I play they probably they're going to probably be suspended uh, a lot but I'll try to teach them not to do things I did so we'll get you out of here with this when you became a free agent after the the Colorado season you went back to New York was that something you really wanted to do go play in New York again and then we have a lot of viewers in Florida. I understand you have, you run like a real estate business here in Florida. Can maybe tell us yeah. a little bit about that. Uh, I always felt like I'm going to play for New York Rangers when I play even for the Islanders. You know, I felt like, you know, they hated me, but they liked me too. So uh, when I had, I think I had three options, Rangers, Boston, and Toronto. And I was like, you know, I spent most of my time in New York. Even when I play in Pittsburgh, I used to go back to Long Island in the summertime. So New York was like a home to me. So I made the choice to play for New York Rangers. And uh, I had a blast there, you know, playing in Madison Square Garden. Uh, it was, you know, it was just a dream come true for any athlete. Uh, what comes to real estate business, yeah, I'm involved in the development business in uh, South Florida. And right now I'm working on uh, my dream. You know, I always dream to live in, when I play, uh, even in Pittsburgh, I always dream to live in Florida because I was so jealous every time you go play Panthers, you know, you, you go from Pittsburgh to the summer and be like, oh my God, these people are so lucky. <laughs> but right now I'm building my, I try to build my dream. I want to build uh, like a spa bathhouse, which is going to uh, be in Dana Beach. And if I succeed on that, so my, my, basically my, all my dreams come true. You know, I have six kids, I have three medals, I have a beautiful wife. I live right near the ocean, and then you got have a business that I love. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Darius Kasparides, for joining us tonight. Love having former hockey players on. Appreciate it. Thank you, you, guys. Thank you for having me. Everybody, make sure you remember to subscribe to all those channels we're on. Everyone have a great